We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred and sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast. What's up, friends? Happy Wednesday. Welcome into another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow the podcast at Pack-A-Day Podcast. It is officially Packers-Bengals Joint Practice Day. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be there, but I'm sure there's going to be tremendous coverage as always. I know Wes Hodkovitz is there. I'm sure Domovsky, Schneidman, Ryan Wood, amongst many others will be there as well. It feels weird being on the other side now as usually the one tweeting everything out that's going on. I will be like everyone else now, just waiting on every single tweet that's out there about Packers-Bengals practice, but I'm sure we're going to get a ton of really fun updates from that practice, and just like you, I cannot wait to see them. But until we get those and until we have more to go over from that practice tomorrow, what I wanted to do today is basically go over what I have down as my preseason watch list. And yes, I think everyone's super excited about any game at this point. It's going to be Packers, Bengals. There's no Joe Burrow. It's not going to be hardcore. There's going to be vanilla calls on defense. We know what to expect. It's barely real football, but it's as real as it gets in August and we're all super excited for it. But we also know that there's going to come those times in games where it's not as fun to watch or there's maybe not um, you know, the, the star players in the game. So I wanted to put together my list of 10 things that I'm going to be watching for throughout the preseason, not just Packers, Bengals, not just, you know, Packers, Patriots, but throughout all three games of preseason, here is what is on my watch list. And I figured that you guys would hopefully appreciate, you know, sort of things to keep an eye on that I think are going to be most important through this preseason process. So let's start 
with number one, clearing away the most obvious. It goes without saying, and that's Jordan Love. And I have no idea if Jordan Love is going to play five snaps, if he's going to throw 12 passes. We don't know what we're going to get. We don't even know a million percent for sure that Jordan is going to play in this game, but my expectation is that Jordan will likely, very likely play in some capacity against the Bengals. Like I said, maybe a series or two, maybe a little bit more, maybe the first quarter, maybe the first half. We just don't know, right? But I do expect to see him in some capacity. And listen, we have dissected the Packers-Eagles tape to death. We have dissected Packers preseason a year ago. We've dissected Packers Chiefs when he made his initial start. We have gone over, like literally Justice Mosqueda cut up every single Jordan Love throw from Family Night, which I love him for, of course, because it's absolutely amazing. But nonetheless, we are dying for Jordan Love content. We are dying for Jordan Love throws and just something new to look at and review to see what type of progress Jordan has made. And Clearly, I, amongst others who have been at training camp, have had some ability to see you know, what he's been doing at training camp. We saw what he did at family night, but this is just a huge degree of different seeing him in actual preseason action again. Like I said, I do expect him to play this week as well as in other preseason games. So whatever Jordan Loves does in those games, good, bad, or ugly is going to be under an incredible microscope. If he throws any poor throw, it's going to get shown on Sports Center and everywhere else. If he throws any dynamic big play throw down the field, it's going to get shown on Sports Center and everything else. And everyone in Packers Nation, myself included, is going to be breaking down that tape on the All-22 and reviewing everything that's good, bad, and ugly about it. And just even besides all of that, right? It's just going to be incredible to watch Jordan Love play in actual game action, preseason or not, and just to see, you know, how he deals in that sort of atmosphere on the road in a preseason game. And it's going to be vanilla. We know again what to expect, but uh, either way, like there's just, there's nothing else on this list that is remotely close to what Jordan Love will be from a must watch standpoint. And again, even if it's five throws, even if it's five throws on Friday, it's going to be must watch and it's going to be dissected to death, right? So I'm extremely excited to see what he does in that game, what he does against the Patriots, what he does all throughout preseason. Does it relate apples to apples to regular season? No, but it's still going to be a step for him. And it's still going to be interesting to see exactly how he fares in those games. So number one, clear and away beyond obvious is Jordan Love. Number two on my watch list is basically just as obvious and clear, but I'm just going to group it all together. I could have honestly made the next nine things on this list. Jaden Reed, Luke Musgrave, Sean Clifford, Lucas Van Ness, Colby Wooden, Carl Brooks, Carrington Valentine, Anders Carlson. Like there's eight right there. But number two on my list is altogether the rookies. This is our first real opportunity to get these, to see these rookies in any sort of NFL game action. Yes, we saw some at family night. Yes, we've seen some of them, you know, obviously in training camp and so on and so forth. But again, this is a degree of difference, seeing them against different opponents, seeing them not go against the same player in practice day in and day out. And we can go, we'll go through all of these in just a second, but there is a real legitimate, you know, like tangible feel after that first preseason game where you kind of have a feel for where these rookies are at and you have like all this hope and optimism of what they're going to be able to bring to your team. And I'm not talking about as fans. I'm talking about as coaches and, and GMs and decision makers on this team that are super hopeful about all these rookies. 
And then you'll see some of these guys get in the game and look like a deer in headlights. And just you, there are certain players that you will just tell and you'll be able to tell it. You won't have to be watching them with a scout's eye. You'll be able to tell it from home of just like, wow, that dude's thinking out on the field. Like he's not just playing football. He is thinking about what is going on and you'll be able to see it and you'll be able to tell who's prepared, who is not. And that will affect decisions of who ultimately makes the team. It'll affect the depth chart going into week two. And all of a sudden things start changing a little bit when you start getting a feel for how some of these rookies prepare during the week, how they execute on game day. And and, and like, you'll hear from Matt LaFleur and he'll say like, listen, it's just one game. We're not going to overreact. This first game for rookies is a very, very important one because it sort of sets the bar for expectations. And again, it shows the coaches how much they prepared, how invested were they in it? How did, how much did they care about this meaningless preseason game? And for fans and for us, we're going to get to see some of these players on the field. And I'm sure the coaching staff has some feel for how they're going to go out and perform, but even they don't know until they get out there. And for us as fans to be able to see what they do against a non-familiar opponent, again, is going to be really fun to watch. At quarterback, Sean Clifford, he is now the newly anointed number two quarterback in Green Bay, really sort of undisputed at this point. How does he, he's going to get a ton of snaps this preseason and his development and his productivity in these three games is going to be super important to show Green Bay that he can legitimately be the backup going into this year. And they don't have to try to find some veteran before the start of free agent or start of the season in free agency to go and back up Jordan Love this year. So that is going to be a must watch. Lou Nichols and Emmanuel Wilson. Now Lou Nichols hurt right now. I'm not sure if he's going to be available at the start of that, you know, first preseason game, but he probably will be at some point in preseason season, even Emmanuel Wilson, those are two running backs that are in that number three running back conversation. And even if not, are very likely to make, at least be in the conversation for a potential practice squad spot. Wide receiver, our first look at Jaden Reed. I am expecting him to get some punt return and kick return opportunities. I already made my prediction at training camp the other day. I My prediction is that Jaden Reed is going to house a punt return at some point during the course of preseason. I think we're going to get a very good glimpse of him at wide receiver, specifically in the slot. Dontavian Wicks, we're going to get our first game action of him. And like he has looked really fun in practice, but there's a lot of, there's a, there's a big learning curve and development curve to go just based on where his routes are and everything like that right now. Super fun, uh, but you want to see him take a step at the same time and just start seeing how he actually performs uh, in game action against a real NFL corner, right? Or like a, a different NFL corner than he's going against in practice every day. Malik Heath, Grant Dubose, those guys are fighting for that final roster spot. Like those are going to be fun rookies to keep an eye on. Of course, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft, Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks, who have been flashing every single day along the defensive line, Lucas Van Ness and Brenton Cox along the edge rusher positions, Carrington Valentine at corner, who's been one of the standout rookies, all training camp, minicamp, and OTAs. Anthony Johnson Jr., my guess is gets a ton of time at safety, specifically in the second half of these games after the first four guys are out in their competition, probably early in the game. And then Anders Carlson at kicker, up and down. He had a really nice start to camp, a brutal middle of camp so far. And then the last week has been much, much better. But how does he perform in under, you know, under the lights? Hopefully he can carry over what he did under the lights of Lambeau at family night. But a ton of interesting rookies to keep an eye on. Many battling for roster spots or at least depth chart positioning. And all of them going to be really interesting to see how they fare in their first preseason games. Number three on my list might be a little bit interesting, but I'm a pretty big believer in it and I'm really intrigued to see it. And that's the physicality for Green Bay. 
So I was listening to Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks on Move the Sticks, and they were talking about the practices. They went to three practices. They went to Philly, and this, they weren't together, but they separately went to three practices. They went to Philly, they went to Pittsburgh, and they went to San Francisco. And on their most recent show, they were comparing notes from what they learned at each spot. And their big takeaway from all three, and these are three really good franchises, right? You know, the Steelers, a little bit down year with a rookie quarterback last year. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record in a season. We know what San Francisco and, and Philadelphia do, especially from a physical standpoint. These are three physical teams. The biggest takeaway for Daniel and Bucky was the physicality of those practices and how intense those practices are. They do some live tackling, the one-on-ones. It's just, it's a different breed of football, according to them. And Matt LaFleur is on the other end of the spectrum, right? And Brian Gutekunst is as well. He's mentioned, you know, how with, you know, he's on the Ted Thompson of like in preseason and in, in training camp, he wants to just wrap these guys in bubble wrap because, you know, he doesn't want anyone to get hurt. And he's constantly, yeah, that, that was Ron, or excuse me, Ted Thompson, who said the bubble wrap statement and Goody's made mention of that on multiple occasions. You know, Matt LaFleur definitely leans in the direction of protecting his players and making sure that everyone's ready to go for the start of the season. But what you end up with is, and, and let me preface this by saying, I've been impressed so far with the intensity of practices, some of the competitive activities that they've done, and even the the one practice that did have some live tackling as well. Um, yeah, I've, I've been impressed overall with the intensity, but in the Matt LaFleur era, this has not been a overly physical practice team. They have practiced more to keep guys healthy and keep a pulse on the team and have focused a lot more on mental reps. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. And as I've talked about in the past, like there's no perfect answer and solution here. But when you start seeing some of these teams like Philly and San Francisco running through people through the course of the regular season and what how you know how they manage the game and how they play with a level of physicality, you know, Green Bay hasn't necessarily had that. And I did wonder in the post Aaron Rodgers era, if Matt LaFleur was going to take maybe a different approach, especially with a team that's younger and developing, was he going to maybe amp things up and be a little bit more physical in practice? And the answer has been a resounding no. There's still been a lot of walkthrough periods, some mental rep you know, periods here and there. I think overall, like I said, the, the practices have had great intensity to them. I've been impressed with the you know, how, you know, how they've gotten in and out of drills, how, team, how all the players on the team are, are handling the, the drills and the, the intensity of practice. And I guess maybe the, the focus and just like everyone seems very locked in. I think that's the best way to put it, right? So I don't think these are bad practices, but they're, I don't think they're in that San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Philly realm of super physical practice. And that is by design by Green Bay. But when you add that up over the course of time, right? Now, I would expect Philly, San Francisco, some of those teams to have a few more nicks and bruises and injuries as they start going into the regular season. But sometimes that also weathers you for what's about to come through the course of the season. Not always. And again, there's no perfect answer, no perfect solution here. But this is now, you know, Matt LaFleur, you know, through his, his time here, that starts to add up. When you've been a you know, mental rep team and a, hey, let's protect our players team over the course of an entire Matt LaFleur coaching era so far, you know, you have a, you have a different, you know, vibe to you, you have a different intensity to you, and you're not, you're, you're going to lose some of that physicality at times just because you're not practicing with that same intensity day in and day out as maybe some of those other teams are. 
And again, you'll have some inherent advantages to that too. Primarily, hopefully you're healthier going into the season and hopefully can stay healthy through the course of the season in a game that has ever increasingly become a war of attrition as the course of the year goes along at San Francisco when they didn't have any quarterbacks in the NFC Championship game a season ago. And obviously that's not due to practice. The quarterbacks don't get hit. But again, it is a war of attrition throughout the course of the year. So I, I again, I, I'm not saying that Matt LaFleur and Green Bay has done anything wrong, but I do think you know, you start going against a team now in live games and now there's a different level of physicality and intensity and hopefully they get a flavor and a taste for that in the, the, you know, the practices on Wednesday. But I am very interested to see this preseason, the level of physicality that this team has, and then can they carry that over ultimately into the regular season? And if they don't have that, how does Matt LaFleur adjust? Is he okay with it? Or does he make adjustments and say, all right, we weren't physical enough against Cincy. We're about to you know, go a lot more physical in practices. And, and an example of this was, I, th- I think they were talking about the Steelers when they were talking about this, but they had their family night practice and it was a pretty intense practice. And DJ Daniel Jeremiah was talking about how he was expecting the next morning's practice to be more of a, a walkthrough and just you know not as intense. And they came out full pads. I think they he even said they had a live tackle period at that practice. You know, they're going back to back with some physical practices and Mike Tomlin's not afraid to do that stuff. You'll see some physical one-on-ones and you'll see all of it. So it's a difference of philosophies. It's a difference of opinion. But what I want to see is how, you know, it, can Green Bay find that magical recipe of taking care of their players at practice, but still being super physical in games. And that's what I'm going to be looking for in some of these preseason games. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Number four on my list, the running back battle. You've got Tyler Goodson, Patrick Taylor, Emmanuel Wilson, and Lou Nichols. And I really like, now again, Nichols is hurt right now, but I like what Matt LaFleur said, and basically he's going to give each of these running backs, specifically Goodson, Taylor, and uh, and Nichols, I believe is what, what his intent was, a, you know, one of the games. So, Instead of, you know, giving Goodson a series and then Taylor a series and then Nichols a series and then Wilson a series, he basically said, you know, and he didn't know, he didn't say which game was going to be what, but, you know, the first game will be a Patrick Taylor game, meaning he's going to get the bulk of the carries in that game so he can get a rhythm going. And then game two will probably be like a Tyler Goodson game. And then game three, you know, a Lou Nichols game, or if Nichols isn't available, then maybe an Emmanuel Wilson game, et cetera. But he's going to make it so that one of those backs is primary in each of the games. And I love that thinking. I love that idea. And I'm excited to see what each of these running backs is capable of doing with him. Number five is Bo Melton versus Malik Heath versus Grant DuBose. And these are 
you know, three wide receivers that are vying for that number six spot on the initial depth chart. It was Bo Melton ahead of Heath and DuBose, but, um, du, you know, DuBose has the advantage of being the seventh round pick. Malik Heath tore it up. OTA's mini camps has had a little bit more struggle in training camp, but certainly still has a level of physicality. He can be a possession receiver. As Matt LaFleur said, he's got a little bit of that goon to him and he's not afraid to be physical with the, you know, within the running game as well. And then Bo Melton, really shifty, you know, can be a little bit more of a, a slot guy, can play a little bit outside, great route runner, very fast. They're very different wide receivers. And I think that's what makes this number seven wide receiver battle so interesting. Number six on my list is the offensive tackle battle. Caleb Jones, Rashid Walker, and Luke Tenuta. And you might be thinking Yash Nyman versus Zach Tom. I, I just don't know how much the starting offense and offensive line is going to play, but that certainly is a piece of that as well. But I think we're going to see a lot of Caleb Jones, a lot of Rashid Walker, and a lot of Luke Tenuta at the tackle position. And right now it was, you know, Walker and Nyman that were on the number three or the number two backup list. And then it was Tenuta and Caleb Jones with the threes. But I think this battle is very much up for grabs. And I think any of these guys can earn, you know, that number four offensive tackle spot behind Tom Nyman and Bakhtiari. And these are three talented offensive tackles. And more than anything, I just can't wait to watch them play football again and really see who steps up as that next offensive tackle. And none of these three players have like a roster spot like guaranteed either. So they're, they're fighting for number four offensive tackle and active on game days or potentially not even on the roster at all and potentially a practice squad candidate. So there's a lot to gain and lose at that spot. Number seven is Sean Ryan. Talk about a player who I also expect to see a lot. I think we're going to see a ton of Sean Ryan. I think we'll probably see him maybe two, three quarters of the game. And I'm really interested to see how he responds. He's had a very nice training camp. His one-on-ones have been fantastic. He looks so much better and in much better shape than he was a season ago. He seems to be in the right headspace for how he's trying to go about his business and get ready for 2023 and beyond. I'm really excited to see what he's capable of. This is a third round pick from a year ago, top 100 pick, and somebody I really liked coming out of UCLA. So what he does in preseason, this is another player, by the way, where if he bombs in preseason, like if he just can't play, if, if he has another, you know, redo of what happened last year, like he's not guaranteed a roster spot either, but he certainly seems to be trending in the right direction. And I expect him to be much better than what he was in preseason a year ago. Number eight is special teams, and we can, you know, talk about Anders Carlson and his consistency. You've got a long snapper battle up for grabs, and no, I do not recommend watching the long snappers, but you will notice if somebody has a high or low snap, I'm sure. The puncher battle, Pat O'Donnell and Daniel Whelan, I think is going to be fun to watch, but more just in general, like who plays well on teams? Because if you want to know, you know, who to favor in your 53-man roster projections, you should probably be looking at who's playing very well in special teams. And, you know, guys like Tariq Carpenter, Eric Wilson, Corey Ballantyne, like there, there's some players who are on a roster bubble who are down love it, who are core special teams guys, right? So if they continue to play extremely well, they're going to have a much better chance to make the team. Patrick Taylor's another one at that running back spot. So, you know, it's, it's easy to be like, all right, they're punting, they're kicking. It's a kick return. It's a whatever. Let's go get some snacks. Let's go get some food. But that special team's play in, in preseason, a huge indicator of who could potentially make the team and who might not. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, number nine is the safety battle. I, you know, I think that first half is probably going to be dedicated. You know, first half of each game is going to be dedicated to the, the battle at safety. And I think you're going to see Darnell Savage and, you know, potentially Jonathan, um, you know, whoever you like Rudy Ford, Jonathan Owens, 
Tavarius Moore. Like you're going to see two of those guys probably for a quarter. And then I think the other two, maybe for another quarter. And I think you're going to see that safety battle play out in real time. We'll see Anthony Johnson, you know, a little bit later to see what he can do. But those four safeties really, you know, vine for the, the two starting spots. And I think that battle is going to play out in real time through the course of preseason. And then last but not least, number 10 on my list is the fourth quarter. And the fourth quarter preseason 90-man roster, you've got 22 guys that are what, numbers, you know, 68 through 90? Yeah, so 60, 69 through 91, whatever you want to call it, since there's 91 players on the roster. Like you're, you're talking about the 11 guys on offense and 11 guys on defense that are least likely to make the team at that point. And it's easy to turn off the game or be like, man, who do I watch in this scenario? Like what? It's fourth quarter. Like, I don't even know any of these names. Like who who the heck am I going to watch at this point? So that is where I come in. And I will tell you who to watch during that time frame. Fourth quarter, you're struggling to know who the heck the players are in the game. Here's who you should watch, in my opinion. Emmanuel Wilson, the running back. Been very impressive in camp. Big physical dude. Had a really impressive Marshawn Lynch-esque run in the live tackling activity in practice last week. Good wiggle for his size. Good power. Great vision. He's a fun little back, probably making the practice squad. And you never know when you're an injury away and have to get called up at running back. So he is one player to keep an eye on. And I'll give you two other undrafted free agents as well. And you might be thinking, yeah, Malik Heath and Brenton Cox. We know them, Andy. No. Jimmy Phillips and Keyshawn Banks. Jimmy Phillips inside linebacker, Keyshawn Banks outside linebacker. I would actually argue that Keyshawn Banks has made more plays at outside linebacker so far than Brenton Cox has. And Jimmy Phillips at inside linebacker has been flashing a little bit as well. Now, most of you who know me will know I love geeking out about undrafted free agents that nobody else knows about or talks about. I haven't had my guys this year that I usually have. Usually I've got one or two guys that I keep talking about, probably to an annoying extent, but I don't have those guys this year. There hasn't been those undrafted free agents that I have fallen in love with so far. But if there are two, uh, Emmanuel Wilson's probably the, the number one on that list, but Jimmy Phillips and Keyshawn Banks are the two other ones. Both have been making some plays recently. Both seem to be getting a little bit more comfortable. I don't think they're in the you know 53-man roster discussion uh, by any means yet, but I do think with some big outings, they could maybe get themselves in that conversation. And at minimum, I think they're very much in the practice squad discussion as well. So two undrafted free agent rookies, Jimmy Phillips and Keyshawn Banks, as well as on the offensive side, undrafted free agent, Emmanuel Wilson. But probably the best thing to keep an eye on in the fourth quarter as you're trying to figure out what to watch is the fifth offensive lineman. You might be like the fifth offensive lineman. What does that mean? So There are four offensive linemen that I can almost guarantee you are going to be in the game at the end of the game. And that is Kadeem Telford, probably at one of the tackle positions. Gene DeLance, who could play either at guard or tackle. Cole Schneider, either at center or guard. And James Empey, either at center or guard. So you probably have a tackle spot left remaining, but if they wanted to play Telford at left tackle and DeLance at right tackle, they probably could do that as well. So long story short, there's four guys that are almost assuredly going to be in, in the fourth quarter. Those are the four I mentioned. And then there's one other one. And that one other one is going to be somebody important. Like there's nobody else left that can play that spot except somebody. And when I say important, your mileage may vary on the word important here, but it's probably Luke Tenuta. But even if it's Luke Tenuta, that's the one to keep an eye on. It could be Rasheed Walker. It could be Caleb Jones. 
It could be Sean Ryan. Like they could go in a variety of different spots there with who ultimately plays, but whoever it is at that spot, that's the guy to watch because that is a guy who is talented and is good and is you know has been making a name for himself. All of those guys guys have Tanuta, Ryan, Caleb Jones, um, you know, Rasheed Walker, all of those guys have been playing good football in training camp and are at least very much in the conversation for a 53-man roster spot. So whoever the fifth guy is outside of Telford, Delance, Schneider, and Empey, that's the guy to watch in the preseason in the fourth quarter when you're not sure what the heck else to watch in the game at that time. So that is going to do it for me today. Those are my 10 things to watch. Jordan Love, obviously, the rookies, obviously, the level of physicality, number three running back spot, number six wide receiver, the offensive tackle trio of Jones, Walker, and Tenuta, Sean Ryan, special teams, the safety battle, and the fourth quarter names, Emmanuel Wilson, Jimmy Phillips, Keyshawn Banks, and the fifth offensive lineman. Thanks for joining me. Of course, we'll be right back here tomorrow, 365 days a year. Subscribe if you haven't already, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go.